Hello everyone, Callie Hannah here with a quick disclaimer from the future, 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 future. <laughs> the episode you are about to hear was recorded prior to my public coming out as a transgender woman. As such, you will hear myself and others refer to me by my dead name and he, him pronouns, and that is not how I want to be referred to now. I, well, I go by Callie and I use she, her pronouns. Uh, the rest of the episode has been left as is for the purposes of historical preservation, but uh, just know that it is not accurate to my current uh, gender identity. Thank you, and enjoy the show. The hipster and the nerd. Yes, hipster and the nerd. The nerd. One went to the genius. The other is quite absurd. Exactly which is which. Off the fence is which. Yes, good sir. The hipster and the nerd. 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 Hipster and the nerd. Created by Steven Spielberg? No. Citizens of Gotham. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hipster and the Nerd, the podcast. Where we discuss movies, TV shows, comic books, video games, and justice, and vengeance, and people ready to believe in good. <coughs> oh, oh, God. Ah, I thought I could maintain that voice a little longer. I couldn't. Sorry, I had some boulders stuck in my throat. Anyways, and all manner of geek and pop culture to see what we can make of it. I am Chris Hanna. With me, of course, is my co-host, uh, Brian Brecker. How are you doing today, Brian, now that you've uh, recovered? Uh. Uh, I am good. Uh, I'm sorry that this episode has taken a week to come out because I had a canker sore. I am prone to them, uh, and I need to get some more iron in my diet. But regardless, yes, we do. we're talking about the Dark Knight <laughs> trilogy today. All, all of them directed by Christopher Nolan, yes. a filmmaker that is very well liked. So I think we should get some background on Christopher Nolan before we get started. Uh, in the last episode, I referred to Tim Burton as a generational talent, and I think that label also deserves uh, to be given to one Mr. Christopher Nolan. And uh, Chris, how does it feel to uh, share the same first name as a legend? See, seemingly, I don't know how I haven't broken into this industry given my name, considering how much Hollywood really likes guys named Chris. I, maybe Chris. the Chris, you should change your name to something like Vapor Lord or something like that. Smoke weed. So, so then you're, you'd have a you'd have a distinct stage name. Well, like because like you know, there's there's Christopher Nolan, Chris Evans, mm -hmm. Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt, Chris Pine. And Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, exactly. And Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. That's that's at least seven now. Um, mm -hmm. I am just genuinely surprised. Like I'm, uh, did I did I just miss the 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 Chris wagon? I'm I'm a little confused to be honest. I think uh, you did. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, Christopher Nolan, he directed such uh, well liked films as The Prestige, Inception, Memento. Uh, of course, he did Interstellar, Tenant. Uh, and I think we should uh, maybe give a little bit of our thoughts on Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker. Uh, if you know me in real life, you probably think that I am a Nolan hater, considering <laughs> how much I complain about him. But I'm not. I'm li I'm really not, okay? Because there's only a couple Nolan movies I dislike. I dislike The Dark Knight Rises, which we'll get into. Yeah. And I dislike Tenet. Uh, I am indifferent towards Inception. I think that Interstellar, Memento... 
and uh, Batman Begins are good. And I think he's made one really great film, and that is The Dark Knight, which we're going to get into. My problem with Christopher Nolan, I think, is that I generally think he has a problem as a writer sometimes where he basically takes the concept and makes it more important than the characters he's writing. So occasionally his characters will just become expository vehicles. This is especially a problem in Tenet. Not so much in the Dark Knight trilogy, although it is a little bit there. And we'll get into it when we talk about it. Chris, what are your thoughts on Mr. Nolan and his Nolan-y ways? I think Nolan is a very... Like, I I have some issues. Like, I haven't seen all of his films. Like, I haven't seen Inception. I have not seen The Prestige. Yeah, I haven't seen The Prestige either. I have not seen... um, I haven't seen Dunkirk. Uh, um, Oh, I forgot about Dunkirk. Dunkirk? I like Dunkirk, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I... But like of the of his films I've seen, uh, I think Memento is kind of just okay. It's like it's a good technical experiment, but as a story, once you put it together, it's kind of a very bland crime story, to be honest. I um, would agree, but I also think it's it's a it's a new enough plot device that it keeps the film engaging because you're trying to figure it out. I mean so. that is fair, which is why I still think the movie is okay. Like I, I think, think the it's a, I think it's a good movie. I think I think it's decent. It's like a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it a seven, if I remember correctly. I suppose yeah. that's fair. And uh, I liked Tenet, even if I acknowledge that its characters exist solely to be vessels for the plot in, in a vast major- for a vast majority of the runtime. Main character doesn't even get a name. Yeah, he's just. I think that's the point, though. <laughs> to he's be just fair. called the protagonist. He's called the protagonist. Hey, it's wearing. It's honest. You gotta <laughs> give it to him. There. It's it's honest. And I, you know, we'll get into my opinions about uh, the Batman movies as we go into this episode. But other than Dark Knight Rises, which I think is mediocre, um, I generally think they're good. I think the Dark Knight is a genuinely fantastic movie. Um, I agree. And I think Nolan as a director is he's a very talented person who I think has started a lot of bad trends. Like you can pinpoint a lot of what is kind of wrong with hollywood blockbuster filmmaking and screenwriting to people trying to be christopher nolan and failing at it yeah um, i also think that he uh, i've likened him before to basically michael bay but with taste and uh yeah. and able to think high-mindedly about concepts and themes he makes these very mainstream action blockbusters that also have kind of a thinking man's edge to them which is why they're so beloved by cinema bros you know yeah exactly um yeah. and i feel like if nolan has a problem in his in his writing it's with character and emotion i feel like he has a problem of not letting his he it feels like as you mentioned because he tends to put concepts over character even when he is it's 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 a symptom of that but even when the characters are more a part of the plot it feels like in an effort to aim for realism he has all of the care he has a lot of his characters be way more boring than anyone in the real world would actually be and he constantly has to use the most mundane version of uh, potentially, you know, you know, otherworldly concepts. I really want to see what happens if you force Christopher Nolan to make like a fantasy movie. Like if you forced Christopher Nolan to make a movie that had elves and dragons in it. I want to see Christopher Nolan be forced to write a straightforward, no gimmick 
Yeah, I, I want to I want to see Christopher <laughs> Nolan be I, honestly not even love story. I want to see Christopher Nolan be forced to make a movie where there's no time gimmicks, no time yes. gimmicks whatsoever. You're not you you can tell whatever story you want, but it has to play out in order, Nolan. <laughs> so uh, I think this is a good time to get into our thoughts on Batman Begins. So we'll first we'll talk about the plot. So it starts with uh, Brucefer Wayne, young Bruce Wayne. He uh, falls down a hole, which will be a running theme, won't it, Chris? Yes, yes, it yes. will. <laughs> and uh, then he's surrounded by bats and traumatized by bats because Batman Begins really, really wants to remind you that his psychological trauma is bats, and there's bats everywhere in this movie. Take a shot every time you see a bat. I mean, and that you will goes die. back to you know the original comics, where you know, and this was something that wasn't really highlighted in the earlier films. But the reason that Batman becomes Batman is because he wanted, to, and this is, and this is highlighted throughout the film, is that in the end, in the original comics, you know, way back in the day, you know. He wanted to become what what he feared so he could strike fear in the hearts of criminals. And he was afraid of bats. Therefore, he would become yes. a bat. So and, uh, I like how he, this film emphasizes that. Yes. Uh, and he attends the opera with his parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, before Bruce becomes far frightened by the performers yeah. masquerading as bats, take a shot, and asks to leave. I, I, like, uh, I also like how... Um, I like how this is the rare adaptation where Thomas and Martha Wayne actually get a little bit of character. Like in like in most versions, like they exist but I I mean like even in the the Batman canon, Bruce Wayne's parents exist to die. In, yes. In, but like they do take the opportunity to actually develop them and see why and see just why Bruce Wayne why kid Bruce Wayne would miss them so much. Because they are actual they're people. Like, yes. they have a relationship. There's good father-son moments between Thomas and Bruce. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they they go outside and they get mugged by Joe Chill, who murders Bruce's parents in front of him. And uh, the orphaned Bruce is raised by the family butler, Alfred Pennyworth. And throughout the film, we get a series of flashbacks to his time with his parents, one of which, uh, a couple of which... In basically introduced this monorail in the city and the monorail was like a, a cheap public uh transportation thing to try and basically help people move across the city and it's interesting there's a really fun visual metaphor that happens in the film where in the flashbacks we see it's nice and clean and almost like a vaguely randy it's, it's, yeah it's almost it's almost thing. it's all it's it's almost uh, utopian in its yes. uh, visual design and then when it cuts to the present day everything is you know grimy it's, it's and covered in graffiti and, and it's disgusting yeah. and i thought that was a, a fun metaphor so yes. 14 years later chill is paroled after testifying against <laughs> mafia boss carmine falcone carmine and, and uh, bruce intends to murder chill to avenge his parents because bruce wayne has no chill in this movie that's a little pun right there hey. one of falcone's assassins does it first and then his childhood friend, uh, Rachel, Rachel, the least interesting Batman character. Says, I can't believe you would have done that. I can't believe you would have killed him. You're turning into the very thing you hate the most. And then Bruce Wayne's like, well, that is really a good point. Let me brood about it. I'm going to I'm going to go travel. Uh, I'm going to go brood and get on a plane and go to. I'm going to go on a plane I'm to an to... Asian country I'm and to... start I'm go punching to... people. I'm going to go to. Asia Europe stand um and <laughs> <laughs> 
it's never really defined exactly where he's going. He just goes around. So here's my problem with this version of Bruce Wayne Batman. Basically, what they do is they make him... They, when they overemphasize his want for vengeance and his need to take it out on criminals and that being his sole motivation, you stop turning him into somebody that actually cares about justice and you turn him into a weirdo billionaire, <laughs> basically living out his revenge fantasies against the poor and despondent in the city. And uh, this is also kind of a problem because basically he has a no-kill rule, all right? And... In most versions of Batman, from what I understand, the no-kill rule is just one part of his overall moral ethics. He's yeah, very Kantian, you know. It's like a, it's a, it's a big it's a big it's a big thing. Like he's got a lot of rules, and rule number one is don't kill, no right. no no killing. Yeah. But it, it, but when you overemphasize the the vengeance and willing to do anything in order to keep the city safe from the dangerous criminals part of his character, what you're doing is you're actually taking away all of those rules and making his only rule that he doesn't kill, which makes him like this weird consequentialist. Like he could torture people <laughs> and he can beat them up for hours on end, but God forbid he takes a life. <laughs> it's like then a, he's a moral monster. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's like an Arkham Knight where he brings out the tank, but where he brings out like a fucking tank through, yeah. through the city but you know because there are rubber bullets firing from the tank it's totally fine <laughs> exactly it, it's just this very strange uh characterization in this movie and in the dark knight rises but it actually is important to the themes of the dark knight which we'll get into yeah um so bruce's childhood friend rachel dawes berates him uh for acting outside the justice system saying that his father would be ashamed of him and after confronting Falcone, who tells him that real power comes from being feared, Bruce spends the next seven years traveling the world, training in combat, and immersing himself in the criminal underworld. The and in a Bhutan prison, they do mention that it's Bhutan, actually. It's Bhutan, so it is in Asia. He meets Henry Ducard, who recruits, Henry Ducard, him, to who recruits him for the League of Assassins. I mean, Shadows, because the they, ninjas. They, they changed the name for. Yeah, in the comics, it's the League of Assassins. But for the movie, they changed it to League of Shadows, and I don't know why. Like, was and it... uh, this is I think run, it was a weird censorship course. thing. Like, I, I, I don't get it. <laughs> it's run, of course, by Ra's al Ghul, Ra who was played by the one, the only, Liam Neeson. After completing his training in ninja methods and purging his fears, Bruce learns that the League knows about Gotham, and believing the city is beyond saving, it tends to destroy it. And they also bring out this guy, and it's like, hey, chop off his head. And he's like, I won't chop off his head. That's my yeah, one Yeah, be, well, because cause, cause Liam Neeson, because Li Liam Neeson, he's initially, we, we should point out, uh, Liam Neeson being Ra's al Ghul is technically a twist. Because yes. he starts off the movie as Ducard, and they bring out the, the, the bald Asian guy, and they say that he's Ra's al Ghul. And he's, he's like, you need to decapitate this person. And Bruce is like, no, I don't want to decapitate this person. And then he's like, pussy. <laughs> you're a, you're then, a pussy, like, Bruce Oh, Wayne. shit, Ra's al Ghul is actually Liam Neeson the whole time. What? Yep. And he completes his ninja training, and they have this weird psychoactive chemical that helps them uh, helps him basically get over his fears, which then becomes important later with the Scarecrow. So Ra's al Ghul is 
killed by falling debris. Apparently, that's what he believes, but it's not true. While Bruce saves the unconscious Ducard, because it turns out Ducard is actually Ra's al Ghul. And returning to Gotham, intent on fighting crime, Bruce takes an interest in his family's company, Wayne Enterprises. He's being declared legally dead by this point, so he isn't really running his estate, which is being taken public by the unscrupulous William Earl. So remember, for later, stockholders are bad. Just yeah. gonna put that in your brain for right <laughs> Stock- now. Come- Stockholders are bad. Remember them. Remember that. It'll be important later. Company archivist Lucius Fox, aka Morgan Th- Freeman, is a friend of Bruce's father and allows Bruce to access a prototype of defense technologies, including a protective bodysuit and heavily armored vehicle called a tumbler. Yeah. Insert tumbler joke here. Uh oh, right. Tumblr, the social media platform. Uh right. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the tumbler is it, it's okay. I kind of don't, I'm not overly fond of the versions of the Batmobile that are just a tank, and this one is is kind of just a tank. And I mean, I feel like <laughs> this version of Batman really exemplifies more than anything when when the Flash asks him, "What's your superpower?" and he says, "I'm, I'm rich." rich. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like what... more than any other version of Batman, this one is just that, that, "I'm rich" as a superpower. That's why. That's why it should have been like. That's why it should have been Christian Bale in the DCU. <laughs> exactly. So uh, Bruce poses publicly as a shallow playboy. Uh, while setting up a base in the caves beneath Wayne Manor and taking up the vigilante identity of Batman. And then Rachel Dawes comes over and is like, is this Playboy thing really you? And he's like, it's not me. I swear, it's really, it's it's just a thing I do. And she's like, okay, Batman, I'm just going to like go off with my new boyfriend now. <laughs> and, uh, and basically, he decides that he is going to choose the Batman and uh, because that is going to be based off of his childhood fear, which he has now conquered. And I believe at one point, one of the characters specifically says that the Bat is a Jungian archetype, which, no, it's not. <laughs> I googled this, and the, the 12 Jungian archetypes do not include a Bat, okay? So that's wrong. Well, obviously, well, obviously uh, that is one way that the Nolan universe differs from the real universe just like how we'll get into it we'll get into it later but just like how in the dark knight rises nuclear in this universe is actually a word that just means really big so it's it's different it's different from our universe (laughs) i'm just saying that's a very nolan-y thing to do which is to name drop a well-known philosopher and then just say something that's categorically incorrect So, uh, intercepting a drug shipment, Batman provides Rachel with evidence against Falcone (laughs) and enlists Sergeant James Gordon, uh, one of Gotham's few honest cops, to arrest him. Yeah. Yeah. And in prison, Falcone meets Dr. Jonathan Crane, who is basically, he's like this psychologist, but he's mostly like just a psychopath that likes to test out new weird drugs on people and is working with the mafia to get them out of prison by giving them insanity defenses when he actually makes them go insane and it's it, it his um his concoction is based off of the league of shadows drug that was used previously in the film to get batman over his fear of bats so uh jonathan crane is a corrupt psychologist who helps smuggle drugs into gotham and donning a scarecrow mask crane sprays falcone with a fear-inducing hallucinogen and has him transferred to arkham asylum which we never get to see yeah, well, yeah, they never, they never actually show, I uh, show Arkham in the Nolan verse. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And while investigating the Scarecrow, Batman is incapacitated by the hallucinogen, but is saved by Alfred and given an antidote developed by Fox. So when Rachel, now a Gotham assistant district attorney, accuses Crane of corruption, he reveals that he has introduced a drug into Gotham's water supply, which is basically... Just the plot of Batman 84, 89. Yeah, because even I, I put in my notes, like, is it, is it poisoning the water supply more of a Joker thing than a Scarecrow yeah. thing? But this, 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 eh, it's fine. It's fine. So it's fine. He, he drugs <laughs> Rachel, but Batman subdues him by spraying Crane with his own chemical. And I feel like this was kind of a missed opportunity to find out what his biggest fear is. I would have, I would have, like I, I, I think it would have been, this, this isn't what would have happened, but I think it would have been hilarious if it was like, uh, Remember the episode of Gravity Falls where they had the monster that showed your worst nightmare? And they yes. showed when the monster looked into his own eyes, his worst fear was that he became his own father. I would love <laughs> I would love it if that was the scarecrow's But instead when he gets the when he gets the hallucinogen, he just starts seeing Batman as a literal bat man, a man bat. And That's uh, a different character. <laughs> that's a different character, I know. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, it's over there. I feel like that was a missed opportunity, by the way. Uh so Batman he basically he evades the police and uh basically he finds out that uh the scarecrow was working for raz al ghul and he attracts a large horde of bats using a high-pitched sound again take a shot for all the bats in this movie to get rachel to safety administering her the antidote and giving her a vial of it for gordon and another for mass production and at bruce's birthday ducard reappears revealing himself to be the true raz al ghul Wow, what a, what a twist. That is, that is, uh, this was, this was kind of pointless, <laughs> to be <Yes>. honest. <laughs> Having stolen a powerful microwave emitter from the Wayne Enterprises, he plans to vaporize Gotham's water supply because, and I quote, uh, he, he, he's like, you think you could solve all the crime in Gotham. Where do you think the crime came from? Yeah, we because made the crime. <laughs> basically, because basically the twist is, is that it turns out the League of Shadows manipulated so sociological I events in Gotham to make more crime happen um so that so the city would destroy itself and the, that the twist is and that thought, is why <laughs> you thought there were poor people because of systemic inequality and the history of racial injustice in this country no, and also the war on drugs no, no it was actually a league of super assassin ninjas all <laughs> time which has got to be one of the dumbest things i've ever heard i think what is what is like movie. parallel to it's it's at least as dumb as joker killing batman's parents because this is also a version of a very specific named supervillain was the one who really killed batman's parents because they organized yeah. the crime that led to the death of bruce wayne's parents so i have a question so ra's al ghul's big thing is that he wants to purify gotham because it has become too evil right right but he is the cause of the evil. Well, no, because I think the idea is that it was evil before Thomas Wayne showed up, and then Thomas Wayne tried to make it not evil, and then Ra's al Ghul was like, "You're delaying the inevitable. I need to, I need to kickstart this myself. So I'm gonna start more crime, so that all of the crime will destroy itself." <laughs> but it sounds like the way you said it was implying that the League of Shadows had been inculcating crime this entire time. Well. It's a, it's unclear. Like I, I think maybe, like does it? Maybe it has something. 
and maybe if they had actually used the League of Assassins slash Shadows or whatever we're supposed to call it um, <laughs> properly in future movies, they could have dived into like, you know, what was actually so bad about Gotham. Like maybe there's something deeper behind like where it's built or its origins, but right. we don't, we're never given that context. We're just yeah. given crime bad so they want to destroy the city because crime bad and they but want they to also but they also crime. made the crime but did they make all of the crime question mark or just some of the crime and again this like, is another this is another point where i feel like nolan could have just like gotten some actual points and actually made an interesting conversation happen because like what if raz al ghul's whole big thing it's just yeah. Stay with me here. Was uh, wealth inequality, police corruption, and uh, generally the whole bad nature of how the rich run the city. I mean, yeah. I feel like that would have been a more interesting, hey, he's got a point type villain instead of a League of Ninja Assassins wanting to Le destroy a city for problems they cause. Yeah. You know? I mean, you, you could have, I think, I feel like they were leaning into that and then they kind of muddled the waters a bit with being like, by the way, we also caused at least some of the crime that we say is bad. Um, right. <laughs> Which like, so I, I, it, it kind of, it muddies the water because before you think of that, you could kind of think of the League of Shadows as an extreme version of Bruce Wayne's own ideology. Yeah, exactly. That he is going to destroy all the crime in Gotham, and he's going to do it by terrorizing all the criminals. Yes. <laughs> and but but then these people come around like, hey, you're not going far enough. You need to kill the criminals. Uh, but then they're also like, hey, but we caused crime. So yeah, I don't but, know. But also yeah, we weird. did. We hate crime, but we also did the crime. <laughs> yes. So he's going to make the drug airborne, just like Batman '89, and cause mass hysteria that will destroy the city. So he sets Wayne Manor aflame and leaves Bruce to die, but Alfred rescues him. So Raz Al Ghul loads, uh, who, by the way, whenever we would text about this movie, I would always call him Razzy Al Gore. Razzy Al Gore. Well, because... The I thought that was a funny joke. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else will find I that also, <laughs> I also would like to point out that, yes, in, in adaptation, there are, there, are, there are conflicting pronunciations of the name because mm -hmm. the Nolan films uh, say Raz Al Ghul, but the uh, but the animated series, and I believe possibly the Arkham games as well. I can't remember. Uh, say Rachel Ghoul. Rachel Ghoul. And no, and no one can decide which one is the canon version. <laughs> <laughs> is the canon pronunciation? I default to Roz, but like I I don't know if that's actually correct. I've heard I've heard people say that the canon that the ca that main canon is Rach, but I I cannot verify one way or the other. <laughs> So Raz al Ghul loads the microwave emitter onto the Gotham's monorail system. Remember the monorail system monorail. to release the drug at the city's central water source. So Batman rescues Rachel from a drugged mob and indirectly reveals his identity to her. And this definitely won't come back to bite him in the ass. Confronting Raz on the monorail as Gordon uses the tumblers cannons to destroy a section of the track. I do Batman love the scene says, of Gordon in the Batmobile. Like that's, yes. that's a lot of fun. And there's a uh, great fight scene on the monorail. And then he's like, I don't have to kill. I don't I'm, have to kill you. I'm not. Gonna but I don't have to you. save you either. But and then he lets the guy you, die, which is which dumb. murder. <laughs> <laughs> like the, and like in fairness, like revisiting these movies, I actually 
do want to give uh, a bit more credit to the Christian to Christian Bale Batman in that for the yes. most part he does actually follow the no kill rule and he doesn't yes. do a bunch of murder which is except good, for this time except for this one time where he did a murder which is you know you know what this is this is like um this is John Kramer from Saw Logic <laughs> he's like I've never killed anyone I just put people in the position where they kill themselves. <laughs> I know it's not killing and torturing people for your own sick fucking pleasure. I've never murdered anyone in my life. The decisions are up to them. Yeah, well, putting a gun to someone's head and forcing them to pull the trigger is still murder. Where it's like, and it's like, mm, the, like I don't know about like, that, Mr. Batman. If I if I if I may speak plainly to you, Mr. Batman, uh, like yes, you, technically speaking, didn't physically kill him slash end his life. But you deliberately mm -hmm. left him in a position where there was literally no other result that could happen other than could have saved him. Him, him dying. So, right. like, you, by all accounts, you are responsible for his death. Like, mm -hmm. in a court of law, you would, you would be held accountable for murder in this, yeah. in this instance. I mean, granted... I mean, especially considering Batman is not, uh, he's not an official... Uh, licensed part of the law, which is kind of my problem also with Batman, is I feel like I want a Batman adaptation that goes back to the 60s version where Batman's just like this licensed cop kind of guy well, that I mean, like, they, doesn't play by their rules but is still respected by I the mean, law. I mean, it kind of seems like fun. we're seeing that a bit in, in The Batman. Like, he seems yes. to be working with Gordon and the police. Like, I, I, I like, Batman is, is sort of, well, because the, it's the it's the weird thing with like even like real world vigilantism, where which you shouldn't do what and you, is bad. What you probably shouldn't do, um, but and is bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the thing about like quote unquote like costumed crime fighters as they would exist, both in as they do exist in film and as they in comics, and as they might exist in the real world, is that if police aren't really doing anything about them then there's not really a legal case you could make for illegal vigilantism um well it all like, see here's the thing is it depends yeah so in the law in different um jurisdictions there are things called citizens arrest yeah, which citizens, are very yeah, controversial. yeah because things like citizens arrest yeah. and you but know most of these things tend to get invoked when like white people kill black people in their neighborhood, and then claim citizens' arrest I mean, or yeah, self-defense. That's, that's not an arrest, though. That's just right. the murder. Um, right. But, but then, there's also you get into the question of illegal detention and stuff like that, and honestly, don't do it. Yeah. If, if anybody here is thinking about becoming a, a mass crime fighter, don't do it. <laughs> unless, you, unless you've actually been bitten by a radioactive spider, or, you know, not been a good given idea. a a green lantern ring or or any other sort of weird freak accident and you want to become just, a hero become a social worker become a become a social yeah become a social worker yeah, those, and if you want to become a heroes. if you want to become a social worker or a firefighter or something of uh, to that degree if you want to become a superhero maybe just become an actor i like how this has suddenly yeah. turned into like a gi joe style the more you know moment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> remember kids don't try and fight crime on your own.
Leave it to the professionals. Um, so, no, I know. I know. <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. G.I. So Joe! Bruce gains Rachel's respect and love, but she decides she cannot be with him now, telling him if Gotham should no longer need Batman, then they can be together. Come back to that later. Batman yeah. becomes a public hero, and Bruce reveals he has purchased a controlling stake in Wayne Enterprises, firing that asshole Earl because stockbrokers are bad, and replacing him with Fox instead. And uh, I like Sergeant... how I like how very uh, how often Bruce Wayne in these movies, and just uh, just any version of Bruce Wayne that basically just uses his money to flex on assholes. <laughs> like yes, that's and, uh, that is best Bruce Wayne. Sergeant Gordon is promoted to lieutenant and uh, shows Batman the bat signal and tells yeah. him about a criminal who leaves behind Joker leaves playing behind cards. a calling card and it's the Joker. It's like, oh my God, the Joker's going to be in the next movie. I'll look into yeah. it. So he says he'll look into it and then disappears into the yeah, night. I, so Chris, and, yeah. what I do you think of Batman the... Begins? Well, uh, first of all, I, I want to say on just that ending scene, I really just love that final thing. I never said thank you. And you'll never have You to. don't have to. Yeah, yep. that's a... I, I love that. Uh, so Batman Begins is a really... Uh, it's a really solid movie, solid origin story for the character. Um, I do uh, very much enjoy Christian Bale in the roles of both Bruce Wayne and Batman. Even if his Batman voice is, as many have pointed out, kind of ridiculous. Um, no, what's weird is that he kind of, when he first starts doing costumed stuff, like when he, when he has like sort of just a bodysuit and ski mask, like mm -hmm. he has this kind of prototype Batman voice that's like closer to Michael Keaton. That sounds so much better than <laughs> the main Christian Bale Batman. Like, it was just sort of like, you know, what do you, what do you know? What do you, like, what do you know? What do you, what do you know about the, the thing? Um, that's, that actually sounds pretty good. And then but you also, have. I, I I think the Batman voice kind of escalates as the trilogy goes on. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, in, in here, it's like, yeah, it's still ridiculous, but it's like, it's it's reasonable and like yes. it, it's still effective. You know, like I swear to God, swear to me. Like that's swear that's a me. that's a that's a really good moment. Um, yeah. And you know, I think there you know there's plenty of good uh, action sequences. Like there's the scene with the Batmobile driving on the rooftops. It's pretty cool. Um, I I really enjoy Gary Oldman as Gordon. I think he's great. Uh, Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Uh, again, I love seeing Morgan Freeman and stuff. And he's got I love I love Morgan Freeman being like the cue to Batman's James Bond. I think that's yes. a lot of fun. Um, and we'll and it's especially apparent in the in the next movie. But we'll talk about that uh, momentarily. Um, and, uh, I really like, uh, love Michael Caine as Alfred, Michael Caine, uh, very, very good, sir. Um, yes. I even, I even like Maggie Gyllenhaal and everyone hated, Ma uh, no wait, not Maggie Gyllenhaal. I like Katie, Maggie Gyllenhaal's the next one. I really liked Kate. I even liked Katie Holmes and everyone else hated <laughs> Katie Holmes so much that they replaced her with Maggie Gyllenhaal in the next one. And I'm like, I didn't even notice they replaced the actress for Rachel. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they, that's they how, did. That's how little she matters to the plot. <laughs> it's, it's Katie Holmes in Begins and Maggie Chillenhall yes. in, in Dark Knight. Um, but, you know, I I actually really like their, their relationship. And I think the sort of escalation from, you know, you have the Origins, you know, training with the League. And then you have him dealing with the, the mobster stuff. And then, you know, you've got the Scarecrow and you've got 
some Raja Ghoul things. But don't um, don't you agree with me? I think that the the Scarecrow stuff is much better. The Scarecrow, than the Ra's al yeah, Ghoul stuff. I yeah, and that's what I was about to get to. Is that like while the escalation is overall solid, I really think Scarecrow should have been the main villain because I Scarecrow because first of all, Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow, fucking amazing performance. Like yes, he is well he he, he brings it up to eleven. He's just so over the top with it. It's like so this, fun. Like there is a, I think that there is a good reason. The Batman. Like the, <laughs> there is a good reason that he is the only villain that shows up in all three movies. Cause he is. Right. He He's is, just he fun. Is, he is so good. He's so fun. And I think it would have been great to have him be the main villain. And it kind of works better with the themes of the movie as yeah. well. Cause his well, Batman's because the whole theme thing, of the film is all about fear. Yeah. It's all about fear. fear and Scarecrow's entire gimmick is built on fear. So like, right. I feel like Scarecrow should have been... So, going to Ra's al Ghul, even though I like Liam Neeson in the role, it kind of just muddies the waters, as we were mentioning. What I think they should have done, uh, personally, is, you know, you have... Uh, you you don't really bother with the twist, because it doesn't really matter. Um, you have Ra's al Ghul, you know, be there for the beginning, for the training stuff. And... Then you sort of just let him die as just sort of, you know, or let him seem to die um, right. as, you know, sort of as just, you know, another element of this universe that happens to and then, exist. And then the Scarecrow but, becomes the Yeah, the Scarecrow. Yeah. And, it, and Raza Ghoul for at least this movie can just be another element of the universe that exists, but we don't necessarily need to go into. Like, like Victor Zaz. Because Victor Zaz, I completely forgot that Victor Zaz exists in the Nolanverse. Like he, Who? Yeah, the, the guy with the scars. Remember him from Birds of Prey? Uh, no. Oh yes, I remember him from Birds of Prey. I don't remember him in these. Yeah, movies. he's in this movie. He's one of Jonathan Crane's clients. Like I That's completely crazy. forgot I he was. I completely forgot he was in this, but in this, it kind of threw me for a loop. But yeah, it can it can just sort of be like that. And you have Scarecrow be the main villain, and then you do Joker in part two, and then post credits of part two because we were get because it was two thousand eight. Post credits were becoming popular because of Iron Man and blah 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 you reveal that Ra's al Ghul was actually alive and you use that as a lead-in for part three and Ra's al Ghul is the main villain for part three instead of whatever the fuck they were trying to do in Dark Knight Rises. We'll get to it. Um, so, yeah. um, but, and to sort of go into uh, my closing thoughts is that I think Batman Begins, uh, while I think it did inspire some kind of bad tropes, and sort of bad storytelling trends like you know gritty reboots you know uh there was the this sort of began the overemphasis of batman's origin and my parents are dead um and that sort of stuff but i also feel like this was kind of the movie that needed to happen at the time because like audiences were not going to accept another goofy batman movie after batman i would have like oh uh, yes like you would have <laughs> and i might have but like it that was not what the that was not what the general audience i i don't think at the at the at in the era i don't think that would have been accepted no matter how good it was so i yeah. think this was kind of the approach they needed to take to bring this character back to the forefront and i think they did it very well even if i have some personal issues with the aesthetics you know as i said i don't really like the batmobile being a tank um, I'm not overly fond of the Christian Bale Batman voice, but you know, overall still really solid movie, uh, really great performances all around good action scenes and a really good start to a mostly solid trilogy. So, uh, 
Brian, yeah. what would you say are your overall thoughts on so Batman, Batman Begins? Begins is a little strange because on one hand, I do like uh, certain portions of it. I really enjoy uh, seeing uh, all how Batman starts. I enjoy seeing uh, a lot of the Scarecrow stuff. I think the League of Shadows stuff is ridiculous and silly and nonsensical. Um, and I also think that Bruce Wayne is not really likable in this movie, like at all. Like I, he becomes more likable in the dark knight and i think that's because they start to deconstruct what he what his actual morality is but in this movie sometimes it does just kind of feel like uh, a spoiled rich kid too invested in his own trauma that wants to beat up on poor people my parents are dead that's kind of (laughs) my problem with this movie is i don't get invested in bruce wayne i'm not invested in rachel uh, the best character is Scarecrow, who should have been in the film more. Uh, but overall, it is still a fairly pretty good action film. So I would give it like you know seven out of ten. I gave I it an a good eight movie. Uh, personally. I, st- I think mm-hmm. it is a I think it's an overall solid film, even if it does have some issues. Um, Honestly, this might be a hot take, but Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises didn't need to happen at all. I mean, like, I kind of see why Bat. I kind of I can I could see Batman Begins happening. Like, I can see why Batman Begins would need to happen. No, like, you I mean, don't do you, necess- is there anything really in Batman Begins that you need to know to enjoy The Dark Knight? I mean, like, okay, but that's a... You're not wrong, but I think within the context... You're not wrong within the context I'm of... I'm pointing the- out the weird thing of, like, this trilogy doesn't actually feel like a trilogy. Yeah, I think you're not wrong within the context of the story, necessarily. But yeah. I do think you kind of... You needed Begins to happen... Uh, and for people to be reintroduced to Batman as a character for the Dark Knight to happen. But there's also this weird thing in this trilogy where, like, the Dark Knight doesn't really feel like a sequel to Batman Begins. I mean, it kind of does in the sense that they do evolve the like, relationship. The- like, thematically, it feels like a very from- different movie. Yeah, and, like, things come back from it. Like, the the Rachel and Bruce relationship evolves, even if yeah. Rachel's been recast. Um, and, you know, there are, you know, callbacks to Begins. And, like, there's definitely an evolution. And, like, I, I still think it does feel like a sequel. But also, and part of what I think perhaps makes the dark knight so impactful is that it can be viewed completely on its own like yeah because yeah. here's the thing is that for me it's kind of weird and bizarre for people to say oh this is one of the best trilogies because usually what i like in a trilogy is for like a thematic th- through line throughout the entire thing where you can see one person's arc if you want to if you were to call any of these films really a sequel it would be the dark knight rises <laughs> and we'll get to that yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, but overall, I think this movie is good, not great. It has a lot of problems. It's a little creaky at points, but overall, it has good performances, and the action is very well done. So uh, I'd say one thumb up. Yeah. So The Dark Knight came out in 2008, which is three years after Batman Begins. And The Dark Knight is considered one of the greatest movies ever made. So... Uh, <laughs> We, we're, we're, now we're going to try and talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So, a gang of criminals rob a Gotham City mob bank, and the Joker, in this fantastic opening scene, oh, where yeah, the, the Joker is so basically big. is, like, killing all of the yeah, different all members of, the of his start, gang. Start picking yeah. each other off one by one, because they've apparently received orders from the boss to kill off a specific person to get more of the cut of the bank. Yeah. And, you know, just, just different people kill, killing other different people. 
And then it's such an it's such an engaging opening scene. Yeah, it's really fantastic. It's so good. And then one of the guys is like, I so I guess the joke I guess the Joker ordered you to kill me, huh? He's like, No, I killed the bus driver. What bus? The bus driver. <laughs> and, then and then the, the bus, bus rams the, through the yeah, building. Yeah, the bus rams through the wall. <laughs> And uh, then one of these guys in the Bob Boss building does something you should never do, which is he tries to kill the guys with a shotgun. And at first I was like, oh, why is this guy doing that? But then we realize, oh, this is a Mob Boss bank. Of course they would be doing yes. that. Yeah. So uh, Batman, District Attorney, Harvey Dent, and Lieutenant Jim Gordon form an alliance to rid Gotham of organized crime. I love, all, this, fantastic... I, I love all the scenes with them together, by the way, because one, yes. it's just a great character dynamic between all three. And two, there's kind of a probably uh probably unintentional comedy of just watching two very serious police officers talk to this guy in a, in a, in a bat costume <laughs> well i think we should talk about the the star of the show heath ledger's joke heath ledger so i remember so like well for, well 2008 this movie was everywhere you could yes. not escape because this came out when i was when i was 10 and it was just, it was all over the place. Um, and like, just, just very, all the marketing, all of the hype, it was, it was massive. Um, and I remember, and I, well, I wasn't around for this, but like there, if you go back and it's kind of weird to think Heath Ledger's casting was actually very controversial at the time. Because well, he had a he had a dramatic performance, of course, in Brokeback Mountain, and that's how most people knew him as the gay cowboy well, character. Well, Brokeback Mountain and a lot of people, uh, Brokeback Mountain and things like A Knight's Tale. So a lot of people were like, "The guy from A Knight's Tale is the Joker." What? That's yes. that's gonna be terrible. And <laughs> then and and you know then some of the, the trail and then there was the thing that happened and. You know, we we started seeing you know the posters came out, and then of course we have. Heath Ledger's tragic passing, which yeah. created this whole shadow over the whole thing, and there were rumors about r- rumors that, as far as we are I, we are aware, are completely untrue. About like it was like connected to him getting into the role, and there was. It's not whole... true. It was, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was. Um, I believe it was a result of like a, a accidental overdose. Yeah, it was an accidental. Correctly. Yeah, it was an accidental overdose. But I, I, I mean, re- I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure playing Joker was stressful. I, I'm sure. In yeah, a I'm way, sure playing Joker but probably didn't I don't didn't think it was hell, the reason why he but died. But it wasn't. Yeah, I don't think it was yeah. the reason why he died. But regardless, at the time, especially the mythos, there was this mythos yeah. built up around it, and that. Yeah. And so when the film finally came out, it was impossible to ignore the magnitude of Heath Ledger's Joker. But I feel like even without the shadow of his death, there is something in incredibly powerful about uh this performance it is he is he steals the show for good reason and it is incredible he kind of in many ways like redefined the joker as a character in a lot of like this to me is like this is still the definitive live action take on the joker like i remember last time i said i preferred uh Tim Burton's Joker. I like to apologize. <laughs> I, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> you, obviously, you, 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 you revisited Heath Ledger's. Like I, I've made. You revisited. You, you know, rewatched The Dark Knight. Listen to that podcast about uh, about the Burton Batman movies. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yes, uh, I was wrong. Yes. And uh, unlike other people, I will always uh, admit when I'm wrong. Usually, uh, <laughs> so. Usually. But yeah, I, I remember. 
I went to go see The Dark Knight. I was like a ten or eleven. Yeah, I did. I did we, not see The Dark Knight in theaters because I remember. I remember the first time I saw The Dark Knight was after it was out on DVD. I was over at my cousin's house, and my uncle is like a huge comic comics fan. Um, yeah. And the and Heath Ledger's Joker scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. So when I went, I went with my mom. And we went to the theater, and my mom is not into scary things. So uh, we went in, and then I remember it was it was uh, I started to get very scared at eleven years old. You know me; I don't get scared by a lot of things. I got into horror when I was like ten years old. Okay, <laughs> I was super excited for Saw Six when I was like twelve. Um, yeah, you had a fucked up childhood. Yes, <laughs> uh, and and. After the pencil scene. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the pencil but it, it was, scene. Holy and, and after the hanged man falling into the window, it was the scene. I remember specifically. I remember specifically. It was the scene where Joker is torturing the guy with the shaky camera, and he says, "Every day that you do not reveal who Batman is, somebody will die." And I just turned to my mom and I was like, "Is this too intense right now?" And she's like, "Yeah." And then we both left. Oh my god. <laughs> This is one of the only movies I walked out of because I was scared. Oh my god. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I I actually I love this performance. There's something about it that's just it's almost terrifying. otherworldly. Like yeah, in many ways his Joker kind of, you know, especially when you know when you look at it in the context of like the the movie the the previous movie and the movie after this, like the Joker feels like he just in many ways and I mean this as a compliment. It feels like he wandered in from another universe just to, like, cause some shit. Like, yes. Yeah, and, and the first scene where we see him and he takes off the mask, he's like, whatever doesn't kill you, oh, you makes, makes you stranger. Strange. And it, it, like, it's that kind of, like, actual nihilism. Not like your 14-year-old edgy nihilism. Yeah, it's not r slash of... I am 14 and this is deep. This is actually the Joker, and this is what kind of makes him so effective as a villain, and we'll and we'll yeah. get into it throughout the movie, is the Joker legitimately does not care what happens. Billy doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. Like, he'll, yeah. he'll like, make claims about, like, what he wants, and, and, but he really doesn't give a shit about the outcome. He's just there right. to make people, you know, lo lo lose it, because he thinks it's funny like that's all like, he cares at about. one point at like, one point when he, he's talking uh after harvey dent has half of his face burnt off he gives the closest thing he has to a motive yeah and he like, tells he's... him that you know he tells him that commissioner gordon has a plan and the, and the cops have a plan and i show people how insignificant they are yeah, and like, how their plans the, can fall apart the, so easily the closest so, th yeah that's the closest thing he has to something he cares about in that he wants to show the world that you can't plan for anything like yeah if he, if he has any motive chaos to He's undo yes. everyone's safety everyone's sense of safety like you know there's the uh, the famous line where he says you know if i say somebody will die tomorrow it's fine because it's all part of the plan you know, and what I find really interesting is I honestly, I don't think that's all, all it is. I think that is just an excuse. Yeah. For the fact that he just really wants to watch the world burn. Yeah. As, as he doesn't Alfred really says have the movie, a Some men just want to watch the world burn. He is, right. and that's, he just likes the idea of watching the world burn and he's when using he says, this yeah. nihilistic philosophy 
as an excuse to watch the world burn on its own terms. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's not even it's not even that I think it's an excuse. I think it's just when he describing that, he's not describing a motive. He's just describing like you know, when we talk about movies, what we enjoy about what we do. You know, he, he he's like, what I enjoy about what I do is watching people uh, freak out and, th- and and lose control of their plants. But he does it some inscrutable reason that we can never actually understand, which gets back to the fact that, like, Heath Ledger gives multiple explanations for how he gets the scars. That I, lo- I the love movie. that. And I, I love know? that we really don't know where this guy comes from or why he's or doing... who he is. Yeah, and I... that's why he's scary. Yeah. Like I Joker. I, like I know that. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know there are theories about like the, uh, about like where Heath Ledger's Joker came from. Like there's, there's stuff about like, there's like pe- people have thought like oh he's ex-military and that's why he's talking about the interrogation stuff but like i prefer it i prefer to just not know at all like right I pre- exactly yeah. the, the the greatness of the of the human imagination and especially as it relates to art is that you can invoke things and not explain them and whatever somebody thinks about is always going to be more interesting than if you just tell them an answer yeah you know so that's what's brilliant about this is you get glimpses but you never get the full picture. Yeah. And that is what makes him creepy. Yeah, like and scary, I kinda like to think you know? that there are some elements of every version of the Scar story that are true, but none of them are the whole truth. And Yeah. I mean it could also just be possible that he was just or, in or, a, Yeah, or it's possible he was that just he's in liter- a daze in an alley someday yeah, and, and he just yeah. did it to and himself. And it's also on, possible on that accident. he's making up literally everything about all of them. And that he just right. did this to himself on a whim. Like Right. And which and, would be in character. Yes, it would. It very much would. <laughs> yeah. And I think the way that they did, uh, this was another innovation with the character, at least so far as I know, which is that they uh, turned his smile, uh, not just the makeup, but they turned it into scars, which is actually a reference to a real-life mob uh, thing. So uh, when mobsters sometimes want to punish other mobsters, they will cut open the side of their mouths like that. That is a real thing. Well, Um, um... And I've actually met somebody with that. Oh, by damn. the way once yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i don't know if it was like a mob thing but i've seen it in real life so it's pretty crazy yeah well because um, like a lot of the comics versions is that the smile is a result of the accident the chemicals that, yeah the chemicals like yeah. he's he's like his mouth is just stuck like that um right specifically whereas in this version it doesn't seem like he had the vat of acid origin story. Um, like I'm, I'm gonna no. guess that I'm gonna guess no. It's kind of just skin makeup, and and he deliberately scarred himself, and that's why the face is stuck like that. Um, or somebody else scarred. Or him. somebody else no. scarred him. Or like, yeah. Or any other number. Either way, he has some scars there. <laughs> um, that's the point. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think we've gotten into you know, and Heath Ledger was such a such a talent, and it was very tragic to see him go. And I think we've thoroughly discussed how fantastic his like he got in this movie. like he got a best like he is this is one of the very rare comic book movie performances that even the academy had to recognize okay yeah this is good shit we need to give you a trophy for this like yes <laughs> when even the academy knows you you know you've got something good <laughs> so bruce wayne is impressed with dense idealism and offers to support his career oh by the he way harvey that... dent's in the movie we should we should yes. we probably should have mentioned that uh, we should also talk about harvey dent harvey dent i think is really good in this movie 
Uh, whereas like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight Rises, I feel like could sometimes get a little cluttered with how many characters are involved. Uh, Harvey Dent's character actually feels like a really necessary addition. Yeah, and I think what works about him is that he is a character, um, and why the villain balance I think works the best in this compared to the other two movies is that especially like, like, and I love him as Two-Face and we'll get to him being Two-Face, but like, him like his role is one that is very important thematically but he doesn't necessarily have to have a huge amount of screen time and right he he is the tragic figure of the story if you think about it he is the one that casts the fall from grace he's the one that loses everything like he is he is the one that uh, like he arguably is the one that most embodies like and he says the line himself you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain like Right, which has now become just, like, this hugely well-known statement. Yeah, that, you know? that quote within the context of this film is, for the most part, about him, about Harvey but, Dent. Like, yeah. that is the character it reflects on. Like, But it's also, I think, thematically a statement on, on Batman's a, Yeah, it is a statement on Batman as well. Because yeah. Batman, throughout the film, is going to increasing stakes and increasingly invasive methods to get at the joker most of which are considered by the film to be unethical you know which we'll get into so if get into the plot here uh bruce wayne is impressed with dent's idealism and offers to support his career he believes that with dent as gotham's protector he can give up being batman and lead a normal life with rachel dawes even though she and dent are dating <laughs> so mob boss Sal Maroni, Gamble, and the Chechen hold a video conference with the corrupt accountant Lau, which if I have any criticism about this film, I feel like the Lau stuff isn't as good as the other stuff, but, the but La- it's kind of a minor But the Lau stuff honestly. also ends uh, fairly quickly, and it also gives yeah. that, uh, that that great line of the meeting, you know, how, how much money do you want? A relatively small amount. 68 million. <laughs> and and so, it leads into, yeah. of course, um, and we talked about it briefly in going over Heath Ledger's Joker, the pencil scene <laughs> where he goes, into yes. the, he goes into the room and I thought my jokes were bad. You want to see a magic trick? I'm going to make this pencil, pencil disappear. disappear. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's simple. We uh, kill the Batman. Because that is yes. that is Joker's plan. Is that like the 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 whole reason they're doing this is because the whole reason he feels that the mob is having these problems is because of Batman. Because they were handling the cops fine like a year ago. Because I think this is set a year after begins. Yeah, yeah, it's a year after begins. So apparently, like the previous year, they were the mob was wiping the floor with the cops, but now they can't do it because Batman's there. So Joker's like, well, then just get, kill Batman. We kill the Batman. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, it's also in response to Harvey Dent's big legal act where he tried 300 people at once, which I don't think... I don't know how that... Is legal. I, I feel like I that will, I legal. feel like that would uh, be declared a mistrial. Um, but, right. you know... Uh, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but it's part of, it's part of Harvey Dent's wide-eyed idealism about fighting crime, which is itself inspired by the uh, the measures that Batman has taken and has actually progressed the city a bit to helping making making it safer. So Lau has hidden their funds uh, for safekeeping and fled to Hong Kong in reaction to all their people being arrested. And the Joker warns them that the Batman is unhindered by the law and offers to kill him in exchange for half their money. Yes. And then they're like, enough with the Batman. Enough, and I remember for, enough 
from the clown. I remember in 2009, there was this host, uh, there was this great meme video where it was basically like, it was just that guy say being just completely done with the Joker yeah. after he says like every sentence. Yeah. It, it, and that, after everything he says, he's just like, enough with the clown. Enough of the clown. I also just think it is hilarious in retrospect because Michael J. White is the actor who, who plays that, the enough from the clown guy. Um, and he was spawned in the 90s really and oh in the spawn in movie. the spawn movie <laughs> yes and you know he had he had his sidekick in that was the john leguizamo clown <laughs> yeah so the joker warns them about all this and then when they're like we don't want to do that he uh he gets out and he opens up his vest and he has a bunch of grenades attached to like a little thumb thing he's like let's not blow this out of proportion <laughs> And after Joker kills Gamble and takes over his gang, the the mob finally accepts his offer. Uh, and Batman finds Lau and brings him back to Gotham to testify in this pretty good action scene. The action in this movie is really good. Uh, it has great uh, continuity of movement. And what I mean by that is basically when you watch a film, your eyes have to readjust to the center of action in every shot. And uh, in this movie, uh, it's really, really good, better than Batman Begins, way better than Dark Knight Rises. The continuity of editing and the eye line is fantastic. Yeah, they do a very good job at helping at keeping track of where everyone is at any given time and making sure it feels natural when when movement happens of, okay, they were here, but now they're here and it makes sense why they're here because this happened and and et cetera and so forth. Um, yes even with it being slightly convoluted it all makes sense and it's all in the places it should be um and this is another thing is that this is the first time i really like sat down to watch the dark knight in a long time so i kind of thought in my head oh it's not as good as i remember it you know but then i was like i was thinking i was thinking like this is reminding me a lot of fury road yeah in 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 some ways like i feel like the dark knight I have grown to appreciate it more over time because, like, yeah. when I first watched it and for a lot of it, I thought it was, like, it was a good movie, but I thought it was, like, insanely overhyped and, like, oh, nothing is even close to as good as as, as Heath Ledger's Joker. It, the, like, people are only praising it because of Heath Ledger's Joker and, and all this other stuff. And then, like, uh, the more, re- like, last, well, two years ago, I like, I watched it again in, like, 2020, and I yeah. thought it was a really, really great movie with some issues and then this time i'm like this is amazing this is like a 10 out of 10 masterpiece what the hell was i thinking (laughs) again it grew on me also and what i think it was was i realized i wasn't bored and this is when i know i actually love a movie it's when i realize i'm not bored (laughs) because i have adhd and i get bored by movies very easily so uh it reminded me of fury road in the sense that like everything that should be there was there and helped propel the story forward to the next thing yes you know and I thought that was really impressive. So Batman finds Lau and he brings it back to Gotham to testify, allowing Dent to apprehend the entire mob. The entire mob at once. <laughs> like... Yes. And it, somebody even asks him, he's like, you know, you can't get all these guys. Some of these guys will make bail. And he's like, yeah, but the other guys won't. They won't be able to have enough money to do it because, you know, Lau's account is basically uh, being turned over to the government now. They have no money. The Joker threatens a string of murders unless Batman reveals his identity in that great, like, it was almost like a, almost like uh, a, a jump scare. Yeah, it feels you like know? it's, and it's deliberately framed, and we'll get into how this, and we can get into this story, how, how this, how this film really tapped into the anxieties of the era, but it's very deliberately yes. framed like a terrorist hostage video, which, yes, which it is. plays into, you know, which plays, which played into, and arguably still plays into, very real real world fears 
of like right i mean this was only seven years after 9-11 exactly yeah and when i was talking about the jump scares i was talking about uh the one guy that got hung and yeah the one that yeah the one that guy got hung it's yeah it is kind of a jump scare and like yeah. you know the, yeah you're right it was only seven years after 9-11 and osama bin laden was still alive like we hadn't found yeah. the guy yet <laughs> like and this was one of the guys, this guy that fell into the window, this was one of the guys that was pretending to be Batman in the beginning of the movie, which we forgot to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah, because I, lo- I love the scene. Scarecrow. I lo- yeah, because I love the scene at the beginning of the movie where Scarecrow comes back. He's doing some crime. Yes. He lands, uh, Batman lands on the truck and crushes the truck. Not entirely sure how that works, but cool. It, rule of cool. <laughs> um, rule of cool kind of lets that one slide. And, and yeah. then, you know, the fake Batman is like, you know, you know, we should we should be working together. What's the difference what between you? What and... separates you from me? I'm, I'm not, not wearing hockey, hockey pants. And that's like a, <laughs> so that's like that a joke line. answer. But also, that question the guy asks sets up the theme of the film because the the movie, as it pertains to Batman, isn't really interrogating the morality of the of the lengths of the actions that he goes to. Because not only did this happen after 9-11, this was after we found out about the NSA spying program. Yeah, because a lot um, of it, because a lot of the story, especially when we get into when Batman basically gets detective mode from the Arkham games for a hot minute. Um, he hacks plays, all of the phones and turns yeah, them into an echolocation yeah, device. Yeah, and it's yeah, and it's basically the precursor to Arkham's detective mode in Batman mm-hmm. canon. Um, in, in Batman context, but within the real world context, it's very much kind of a metaphor for things like the Patriot Act. Oh. Yes. So I remember very distinctly in, in 2011 and 2012, there was a, a lot of anxiety, especially around um, left and right libertarians, yeah. you know, like. Gover- yeah, it was, there was a lot of anxiety, and it still kind of felt now, except yeah. it, it's still kind well, of nowadays there. We were, nowadays, we're worried about a lot of other things. It's still kind of there now, but, you know, we, we but, yeah. but it's kind of, like, passive at this point. But there was, especially, right. like, early 2010s, there was a lot of paranoia about surveillance and, like, how much the government knows about us. Like, that was, right. uh, it's basically the entire premise of Ron Swanson's character in Parks and Rec is making a joke about government surveillance paranoia. <laughs> like, right, and uh, there's also another aspect of this, which is a bit darker, which um, is about how Batman treats uh, the criminals themselves and how he injures them and at one point even tortures the Joker. It, it is a direct parallel to what... Uh, euphemistically was referred to within the Bush administration as enhanced interrogation interrogation tactics yeah. at such black sites in the CIA, such as at Abu Ghraib, uh, which had torture facilities, and at the current, still ongoing Guantanamo Bay. How has that not um, been closed yet? But you know, whatever. Um, well, uh, tangent. It hasn't been closed because there's too many legal gray areas on who actually has administrative control to make those decisions oh my fucking god this government is a joke like um uh but anyway so those things are they're in taking the criticism of batman that i would have in batman begins that he's kind of a weird authoritarian one percenter and saying yes yeah we're doing it intentionally this time to to interrogate what we as Americans are willing to put up with in the belief that it is causing quote unquote security. Yeah. Uh, And and what's great about this movie is it doesn't actually give you an answer. Yeah. I think think it does. I I, I mean, I think it gives you ideas and it lets you think. And it does. And I do think there is some element that ultimately comes down on the side of, Hey, maybe like 
it's it's kind surveillance of, is bad. Surveillance and, is bad. Yeah. We can, we're, but we're we can use it the one time. But then once we're done, we don't do it, it again. Like right, like uh, Morgan Freeman's character even has the line when he finds it of uh, you know the Kanye line of no one man should have all, all this power. power. <laughs> yeah. No one man should have all that power. You got the power to let power go. And uh, I think. As it comes to, like, the, the brute force tactics that Batman uses, I think the film also kind of casts them in a morally gray, slightly negative light. Especially yeah. considering that they don't actually work. And that's the thing, <laughs> is the Joker's whole thing is that nothing you could do could ever make him yeah. stop what he's doing. Yeah, it, for most of the movie, Joker is winning. Like <laughs> Right. And that's what makes yeah. him scary, is literally when he's in the scene where he's punching him in the face, trying to find out where Rachel is, he's like, there is nothing you have to threaten me with. You have no power. <laughs> Which exactly. is crazy, and I love yeah. it. So getting back to the, 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 the plot, I'm sorry we keep getting off track. Yeah, it's just so, this movie's so good. <laughs> yeah, so the Joker yeah. threatens a string of murders and starts by killing police commissioner Gillian B. Loeb and Judge Cirillo. He targets the mayor, but Gordon sacrifices himself to stop the assassination, saying, uh, you know, uh, and then Rachel is the next target. And uh, we Harvey Dent comes out, and he's like, all right, I'm the Batman. And yeah, then because... this great, great action scene where basically uh, the Joker is trying to get at Harvey Dent, who's in, like, this police patrol vehicle, and he has, like, a bazooka, and then the yes. guy driving the car says, I was, I'm not being paid enough for this. Yes. It's not my job description. <laughs> And a bad I, love, I just like how the, I forget he's the 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 guy with the the the, the guy who says that he's a is he in the Harvey van or the did the Joker van? Um, he's I, in I, the I, Harvey van. I, yeah, he's in the Harvey van. Because I was cop, gonna say because yeah. because because I, I was gonna say if 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 you were in the Joker van, I think you did know what you signed up for if you're working for the Joker. <laughs> yeah. So then what happens is uh, Rachel and Dent are kidnapped after the Joker basically gets arrested. When he, 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 yeah, he's like, he hey, come the... on, hit me, hit me. Yeah, when he, he... When he, he's basically uh, asking uh, Batman to hit him with his car, but of course he when won't because he has his no car, kill and, and that yeah. And that's also the scene that has that really cool truck flip. And Yes. Uh, yeah, I the love truck the truck flip. The truck flip is fantastic. The truck flip is so good. Um, and, and he goes to kill Batman, but then he he gets arrested. He's like, "Can I just have like a couple more minutes?" Yeah, and that uh, which I was, was yeah, which is this was of course the start of the villain captures themselves on per gets themselves captured on purpose trope, which movies would end up using a lot because Loki did it in the Avengers. They did. I it don't in know if that was really his whole plan. I think he just came up with like a secondary well, I don't, plan. I, I don't think. I don't. Yeah, com. I don't think that was Joker's <laughs> actual plan. It was just more he kind of winged it. I'm just saying yeah. this would end up being a storytelling trope. Like yes. it happened in the Avengers with Loki. Uh, they did mm -hmm. it in Skyfall because Skyfall is kind of mostly just the Dark Knight again. Um, <laughs> and they did it in uh, other movies, probably. Um, <laughs> so Batman races to save Rachel uh, while Gordon attempts to rescue Dent. And also, can I just say, I know, I know yeah. I've been very, I know I've been nitpicky about the bat vehicles and I will be nitpicky again in bat, about bat vehicles in the next one. I really love this version of the bat cycle. I think it's really cool. The bat cycle is cool. And then they find yeah. out that this guy who's uh, in the, um, in the prison, this uh, schizophrenic guy, he has a surgery scar and a cell phone uh, underneath his skin. And, then the Joker basically takes someone hostage, like, I just want my phone call. So he calls the phone, which then causes the bomb to go off. And there's this, one of the great scenes, one of the only great scenes where Rachel's in it, is where uh, she's trying to talk 
with Dent, and they're having this very emotional conversation, and she just explodes mid-sentence. I thought that was great. Rest in peace, Rachel. <laughs> the most important character. Most important. I mean, like, she does... I mean, she does have at least more of a role to play here. And, you know, I do, I yeah. think Maggie Gyllenhaal is very good in the role. And I also just love the, the moment where, you know, the, the police, they, they get to Harvey and Harvey's like, he's like, what are you doing here? No, not me. No, not, not me. me. Not me. Like it's, it's this incredibly powerful moment and you can tell he means it. Like he fully believes the Joker's context here of like, one of them will survive, and he doesn't want it to be him if the other and one by is this Rachel, point, like by this point, he's also knocked himself over on his side, and there's gasoline on the floor, and that causes his face to burn up when the thing explodes. So the yes. Joker escapes with Lau, whom he kills along with the Chechen, and it's a great scene where he has this whole big stack of money. He's like, yeah, he, ah, yeah, he slides I'll only down burn on the money. my half. Uh, and then he's like, you know, what are you doing? I'll only burn my half. You know, I think that's funny because it was just like, you know, this Lao subplot. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. Yes. Everything burns. <laughs> <laughs> so Coleman Reese, an accountant at Wayne Enterprises, deduces that Bruce is Batman and tries to go public with the information. And there's this funny scene where Morgan Freeman's like, so you think that a billionaire, one of the most powerful men in America is secretly a masked vigilante and your plan is to blackmail this person, this person. <laughs> <laughs> which i love char- i love morgan freeman's sass <laughs> yes so not wanting reese's revelation to interfere with his plans the joker threatens to destroy a hospital unless reese is killed within the next four- next hour and there's this also great scene where um Dent, now having half of his face burnt off, he's talking with Commissioner Gordon, and he's obviously lost it. And Commissioner Gordon is like, I've heard you've been refusing uh, skin grafts, which, by the way, is not something you can do. But <laughs> he says, I-, I heard you refusing skin grafts. And he's like, why did you-, you kill Rachel and all this shit? And then he turns. And I like how the film doesn't show us half of his face. He does, the yeah, they don't, like they don't show it initially. Secret. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kept a secret, but they do sort of they, they they give you the idea of like you know what's coming. It's like, you know, what was the in the academy, you know, what was the what was that what was that name you called me? It's like Harvey Two Face. Two Face. Harvey Two Face. And you and mm-hmm. you see that he does turn and Gordon sees it and you see Gordon's mm-hmm. reaction, but you don't and you see like a little hint of the face, but not the full face. Like right. we're not yeah. there quite yet. Like Yeah. And what I love about um, Harvey Dent's Two-Face is it, it, there is this kind of Jekyll and Hyde thing going on inside him even before he becomes Two-Face where on one hand yes he is a wide-eyed idealist but he's also the sort of person that in the moment of crisis will take somebody into a sewer and put a gun to their head and <laughs> threaten to yes. kill them if they don't give him information so there, the darkness inside Harvey Dent was always there and when Rachel dies he has nothing left he has to no, really believe yeah, in. he has he has no anchor anymore and that's yes. kind of why he turns to the two-faced persona and this idea of chance and that yes. like it's the only fair system like it's you yeah. know chance is unbiased you know it's not racist or sexist by any means it's it's unbiased <laughs> it's equal it's fair like <laughs> yeah and he uses this as the pretext for his revenge quest against people that he supposes caused the death of Rachel. Um, and the Joker convinces Dent to seek revenge for Rachel's death in this really fantastic scene where he's like, now, when I tell you 
that that you and Rachel was nothing personal. You know I mean it. And it's almost I almost kind of believe him. Yeah, cuz I I believe him like he's 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 really doesn't care about the relationship one way or the other cuz he snuck into the hospital dressed as a nurse and he goes <laughs> into the hospital room. It's just and he just starts talking to him it's like, you know, you know, I I know what your plan was. You know, do I really look like a guy with a plan? Like I'm, I just I'm like do a, things. I'm like a dog chasing a car. I would never know what to do if I just caught <laughs> Introduce a little anarchy, and then everyone loses their minds. <laughs> and he uh, he gives him a gun, and he puts the gun to his head, and he says, "All right, introduce a little chaos." And then he gets the coin. Half of it's burnt off, and the other half isn't. And the coin was introduced earlier. Yes. And we thought that he was always flipping and making a decision based off the coin, but then we find out that it's a double head coin. Yeah. So he always knew what decision he was going to make, but now half the side is burnt. So he says, you live, you die. And he's like, oh, now we're talking. So he flips the coin and the Joker gets to live. And then uh, Dent goes on a killing spree in this fantastic scene. It's almost kind of reminds me of uh, No Country for Old Men. Um, the the Coen Brothers film about a uh, similarly... Uh, lack of motivation killer that kills people on random when he flips a coin yeah kind of an and there's also point. there's also no. of course the scene that comes right after he gives him the gun where joker he he just casually walks out of the hospital blows it up uh, he blows most of it up and then the last bit doesn't and he just looks at the dinner and like, what and then he just starts pushing it frantically until the last bit blows up. And, I and then love, he runs away. <laughs> yeah, which is great. And also, I love that it was improvised. Like, on, yes. on set, like, the detonator didn't work. And, and, they were, and Heath Ledger was legitimately like, wait, what? And that, like, that is all genuine. And then the rest of it blew up. And they just decided, you know what? That's completely in character. Keep it in the movie. Like... <laughs> That's that's just fantastic. I love yes. it so much. So after announcing Gotham will be subject to his rule come nightfall, the Joker rigs two ferries with explosives, one containing civilians and the other prisoners, which is, this is literally the prisoner dilemma. Yeah, right? it's, the, so, it's the prisoner's <laughs> dilemma. <laughs> so he, uh, he gives them both detonators, and he asks them to blow them up to prove to Batman that when the chips are down, these civilized people, they will eat each other. Uh, and... The, what I love about these scenes on these two different ferries is uh, the the actual conversations they have and how they take a tally and they try and vote and everything like that. And what what I love also is the the prisoners. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna I need somebody to do it." And then the, this one guy comes up and he's like, "I'm gonna do what you should have done uh, ten minutes ago." And then he just takes it in and he throws it out the window because in that situation, the only moral choice is no choice at all yeah the only <laughs> way to fair. win is not to play yeah exactly exactly just like crypto <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's true so uh. <laughs> so batman finds the joker by exploiting the sonar capabilities of all the phones in the city which leads to a moral objection from morgan freeman's character which again is just a, like, I, I i know i keep pointing this out but i kept thinking yeah. this is just detective mode <laughs> he turned on <laughs> the detective mode from the arkham game <laughs> and what i like about it is he's like this is this is more power than one person should have and he's like all right but if you handle the controls you get to destroy it at the end yeah you this know at the you know when, when this is when this is all over enter your name like yeah and i think that was interesting it does show that batman has more of a moral compass in this oddly enough than he has in batman begins <laughs> yeah. in that he's more able to consider and introspect the morality of his actions i think yeah uh, 
even if he chooses the morally gray options. So, uh, the civilians and the prisoners refuse to kill each other, proving that Gotham still has hope to be good, which uh, leads to the very memed line, This whole city just proved that it's filled with people people ready ready to believe believe in good. (laughs) (laughs) So Batman finds the Joker by exploiting the sonars, and um, a SWAT team takes the Joker into custody in this really great action scene where basically they're about to shoot the hostages that are dressed like Joker's minions, but they don't know they're Joker's minions because they're too far away. So Batman right. has to fight the SWAT guys. And uh, then when he finally gets to the Joker, he gloats that Gotham citizens will lose hope once the admired dense rampage becomes a yeah. public knowledge. And there's this great scene where he's, he's, he's hanging upside down and yeah. the camera shifts so that he is now right side up in this very ominous and, and slightly surreal kind of way yeah and he has this 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 great line this now mm-hmm. iconic line you know he's just talking about batman about you know all the you know i think you and i are destined Des- to do this forever which is and then is which is given kind of a twinge of sadness given heath ledger's right. passing but also you know you kind of get the feeling that joker he does believe that like yes. he believes that this is going to be an eternal struggle and i honestly i like to think i i do like to think within the context of the universe that at some point he did come back um, yes maybe, maybe maybe he fought like the joseph gordon levitt batman or whatever <laughs> and true true to his character yeah. he uh uh he the last we ever see of him is him slightly out of focus laughing upside down <laughs> yes in a surreal shot and i think it's fantastic so gordon and batman encounter two-face who has held gordon's family as hostage and two-face uh shoots batman and threatens to kill gordon's son claiming that gordon's negligence is responsible for rachel's death and he's like tell him what i had to tell rachel also lie uh, to your son also and tell uh, him he's gonna be okay si- side note you know? Uh, yeah. s- side note, a uh, weird Batman lore thing. Uh, so mm-hmm. this uh, this kid, obviously. Um, so Jim Gordon has a has a baby in in Begins, um, mm-hmm. I, I, who doesn't really come up in this. But I always assumed that because 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 J- James Gordon in the comics is of course the father of Barbara Gordon, aka yes. Batgirl. But yeah. in this. Barbara, I always assumed that Barbara was the baby, but they never clarify that, it, whether or not that is true. And he prominently has a son, and his wife is named Barbara, which That's has weird. always struck me as very weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like, huh, um, what? <laughs> so anyway, he persuades yeah. Gordon to hold him responsible for Dent's killing spree to preserve Dent's heroic image. After Two-Face and Batman uh, fight and Two-Face falls off the building to his death, believing Dent is the hero Gotham needs but doesn't deserve. Dent is hailed as a hero and the police launch a manhunt for Batman who has taken on the moral sins of the city, basically. With Gordon unwilling, unwillingly destroying the Bat-Signal at the end of the movie. And it's interesting the way this movie ends because... Batman, The Dark Knight starts with somebody asking, what gives you the right? Um, which is a very mor- moral and ethical question. And he ends by self-sacrificing. The The reason why he has the right is he is willing to take the decisions that nobody else will. He will let this figure that he has constructed wear 
the guilt and burden of the entire city, even if it isn't fair to him or to the creation yeah. that he's made. And because, which is, because which is as... really antithetical to my criticism in Batman Begins that Bruce Wayne came off egotistical. In this, it ends with him self-sacrificing because it, it really feels like this character has gone through an arc, in my opinion, of learning to let go and learning to uh, self-sacrifice for other people, yeah, because as, for the city. As, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that Dent's sins being on Batman won't get completely ruined in The Dark Knight Rises. Definitely. But, like, uh, but before we get into that, it's just as Gordon says in his sort of this final monologue of the uh, that ends the film that's now iconic, you know, because he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. He's a guardian. Yes. He's a watchful protector. A Dark Knight. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. So, The Dark Knight is has been called one of the greatest movies ever made and i'm like and, I, I don't uh, know if i'm really in I the mean, market to make decisions like that but i i'd I, say I mean, yeah like, sure I, why not yeah probably <laughs> like you know you think about the grand scope of film as a medium yeah probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. and i mean uh i'm really happy that you know, even if I am skeptical of Nolan's other work, that there is a movie like this that I just really connect to and really love in general. I think that the action is fantastic. The themes are so cohesive. The characters are consistently interesting and engaging. Uh, the uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is just oh my god, dear yeah. god, so fucking good. Um, and just overall, I, I mean, it's the Dark Knight. What else can really be said about this movie that has not already been said? It's the Dark Knight. Like, right. this this is a movie so good that when it got snubbed at the Oscars for Best Picture... I remember that. That yeah, was crazy. It was a huge controversy. This is the reason that Best Picture has a possible 10 slots now is because of this movie. Like, yeah. that's... Also, don't tell me that Joker wasn't total overcorrection. <laughs> That I'm, winning, come on. I mean, you're you're not you're not wrong there. <laughs> um, to to give my overall thoughts, as I've said, my uh opinion has uh grown uh grown more and more positive over the years. I've grown to really love this movie, and it is just an incredible work of storytelling. All of the pieces just fit together so beautifully, and it tells this really powerful but very raw and 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 very raw sort of narrative about you know the nature of good and justice and i know this sounds very generic but it's actually very potent and very specific within the context of the film and like what it means to be like 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 you know as you mentioned like what does give a someone like batman the right like why? And also, let's oh. not forget about its uh, very uh, stark commentary on the then current and now current, really, uh, political issues. Yeah, exactly. Such as surveillance and and unilateral action yeah, and it, uh, police abuse. Like what is violence? Like like you know? what is ultimately like? Where is the line between like uh, with like what like where does it between end? justice like, and vengeance? Like when do know? the like do the ends justify the means? Like, that is ultimately the question here. And I like that the movie doesn't really provide a concrete answer. I mean, it does kind of give the idea of, like, 
surveillance is like if we do because and that kind of taps into like sort of the anxieties of the time where i feel Mm -hmm. like the message of this is okay we can use the extra surveillance if it gets a if if it means we can get osama bin laden but then once we get (laughs) bin laden don't do it again I feel like that was kind of the message of the movie within the context of its era, at least in regards to, you know, the him making the sonar by hacking everyone's phones and shit. Um, yeah, and like, I think I think the movie's exploration of themes of authority and, and power, and at one point, uh, before the famous line, you either li- die here or here live or long like, enough to yeah. self become the villain, the, the conversation was actually about whether or not it was ethical for Roman dictators to occasionally take power to restore order. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that um, putting Batman as a character like that, uh, it it is an interesting concept because, yes, he is taking these unilateral actions and he is uh, going over a line, but at the end of the film, he also gives it up. Yeah, he he gives it up, which is something that the U.S. government did not did, do. Did, did, did. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so Batman is more ethical Batman's than the U.S. Than government. The government. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so but it seems like I think what I think the conclusion is is generally that yes, occasionally a strong man type character can help, can can do but good only if they are of extreme moral character and willing to give up power at the end of the day. Which kind of uh, runs into some weird issues when we talk about the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, but, but, eh, but we'll the, you know, we'll, 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 well, let's savor this moment a little more. Um, yes. to, just to talk about some other things I love, you know, uh, Lucius Fox, as we mentioned, always great. He has a lot of sass. And he also finally builds a Batman suit. Because, uh, so, uh, kind of meta thing here. So there's a... There's a moment early on in the film when Bruce talks to Lucius about wanting to upgrade the suit so he can turn his neck. And this is actually a sort of a commentary about the other Batman movies, because in every previous Batman movie. Sorry. um, In all of the previous Batman movies. Yeah, all the previous Batman movies, the bat suit itself, it was literally impossible to turn your neck. So like (laughs) Michael Keaton in the whenever like and you can even see this in the movies is that whenever he has to turn, he has to turn the, his whole body. He can't yes. just turn his head. And that changed starting with... <gasps> sorry. Starting with The Dark Knight, and they address it in-universe. And I think that is just really... It's just a really cool detail. Um, yes. Michael Caine's Alfred has a lot of really great moments. You know, he tell, he has the whole speech about, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. And my personal favorite Michael Caineism a ruby the size of a tangerine like i just love that i just love that particular combination of words out of his voice just so so much so yeah the dark knight uh uh, modern classic uh okay uh other things you know heath ledger's joker i mean what more can be be said we've already gone over it and christian bale is great aaron eckhart is fantastic i think maggie gyllenhaal is very good and all of this comes together i love the bat cycle i i really i you know i think the suit also looks better i think yes. the joker design is great just i i i, I like i feel like modern class like it's it's so hard to talk about this movie because like everything about it is great that it feels like i feel like i can't it feels like it's hard to properly surmise 
and really illustrate how great this movie is without just literally listing everything that happens in the movie. Like that, which we've already done. Which so we've yeah. kind of already done. <laughs> and that's how great this movie is. So yeah, Dark Knight, ten out of ten. Like it's not my favorite Batman Modern movie. Classic. It's not my, my it's not my favorite DC movie or favorite superhero movie, but goddamn great fucking movie. It is now movie. my favorite Batman movie. Um well I mean I still would give it to Mask of the Phantasm or Lego Batman, but like, goddamn, th- this right. is at least best live action Batman movie. So I so, think that concludes our discussion on the Dark Knight. Yes. So uh, Brian, do you want to yeah. explain to the to the audience why uh, we said at the top of the episode we would be covering the Dark Knight trilogy, <laughs> but then we uh... only talked about two of the three movies in central all right all right all right, um, all right hear me out okay um so i was planning on editing uh the episode thursday but then <laughs> uh russia invaded ukraine yeah and the world went to shit again and i suddenly didn't feel like i was in the right mental space to do that so then i said all right i'll do it friday so i get a, and then when i'm at work at like 4 50 p.m i'm like holy shit when we recorded the second part for The Dark Knight Rises, because we recorded in two parts, did I delete the first recording? Because then I remembered I had deleted recordings before that. And then I was like, <gasps> oh, fuck. And then I ran home. And guess what? I saw it in my recycling bed. I was like, oh, those are all the recordings. Okay, thank God. Thank God. All right. So I restored them. And then a little thing came up and said, do you want to overwrite? And I'm like, sure. But that deleted the second part <laughs> with another recording because recording one which was just uh, an out an outtake, then overwrote the 90 minutes that we had on The Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, I'd like to apologize to all of our listeners. I would like to apologize to um, Joe Biden. I'd like to apologize to uh, the Vatican uh, for my maxima culpa. Uh, terrible, terrible decision. Terrible mistake. I'd like to apologize to everyone and also free Ukraine from this bullshit. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Chris, so uh, what we decided to do is that we are going to release the first half this week. Yeah, because that, that is what you, you all just listened to. And yes. then the uh, the and next week... And we will af- re-record our arguments about The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Rises tomorrow. And, and, yes. and I will have that out by Thursday, I swear to fucking yeah, God. Yeah, that will be next week. Unless week's China invades also. <laughs> which, which seemingly will not happen, most Look, likely. I usually don't have good reasons for putting things off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both Anyways, dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Um, Stay safe, everyone. Um, and don't forget to donate to uh, Red Cross International if you have the money. If you don't have the money, don't, you know, put yourself in jeopardy for other people. You know, I mean... You know, if if you need to like pay rent next week, I understand. But if you have money, there's several different charities that you can donate to to help Ukrainians in need, such as the Red Cross International, UNICEF, um, and a lot of other ones. And I tweeted some earlier, I think. So if you go back through all my tweets, which is basically just like uh, doom scrolling, <laughs> you'll probably find some in there. But anyway, and, uh, and also, and also remember, yeah. you know, keep keep your mental health in check. Self care yes. is very important. Take care you, of yourself. Don't constantly doom scroll. <laughs> no, I I did that Thursday, and I, uh, <laughs> it wasn't good. So, uh, Chris, uh, yeah. this has been hipster the nerd. Yeah. So, anyways, yes, this has been uh, 
Fifty Tons of Nerd, and we do <laughs> we do this every we week. We do this every week, and you can find us on Spotify. Whether it's a complete episode Apple, or not, we do it every yeah, week. Yeah, we do it every week. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all of your major podcast platforms. Please leave us a nice five star review. Uh, subscribe on on Spotify or or follow or whatever it is on Spotify. I think it's follow, whatever. Also, vote in the polls. Vote in <laughs> the polls. Answer the Q and A's. Do all that. You know. You've heard of Pokemon Go, but we need you to Pokemon, Pokemon go to the polls. Go to the polls on Spotify, <laughs> 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 and uh, and uh, spread the word on all your on all your social medias and uh, hashtag Instagram the Nerd. Help us grow the show. We very much appreciate it. Yes. Uh, uh, I am Chris Hanna. You can find me at MegaNerd98 on Twitter and on Letterboxd. And you can also find me on my WordPress page, MegaNerd's Musings, home of geeky ramblings and self-indulgent fanfiction. I just recently posted a piece there on Spider-Man No Way Home and why it wasn't but should have been nominated for Best Picture. I go into stuff about the Oscars uh, genre bias and... Uh, it's diversity issues and things like that. I think I did. I, th- I think it's a pretty good piece, in my opinion, as yeah. the writer. Um, so you can go check that out. And Brian, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Brecker, but honestly, don't. Uh, it's nothing good going on there right now. Um, or you can find me on Letterbox at bbreck2. That's where you can find all the films that I've been watching. Or you can find me uh, desperately, uh, making a voodoo doll out of Putin to try and get him to stop this bullshit. Vilna Ukraina. Can you throw the Putin doll off a bridge so then Putin falls off a bridge? Um. Duh. Yes. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Ukrainian for yes is not da. Da's Russian for yes. Uh, yes in Ukrainian is, uh, dak. Uh, oh, it's tak. tak. All right. Yes. Well, apologies to our, to any listeners in Ukraine who may be, uh, listening to this right now you're probably dealing with enough problems as it is without um, some asshole mispronouncing your language <laughs> so uh, but yeah this has been hipster yes, and nerd yes thank you everybody for listening seize the means of applebee's uh free ukraine um and we will see you next time next time <laughs>